Man, I feel a little off today. I don't know what it is. That's all right, though. We can still get the show on the road. Commanding you to bow down. I'm on your side. By branding you as a rebel. But you're not. A traitor. This isn't freedom. We are not the government. The government is not us. This is the Welcome, welcome, welcome to Dean O Files. Whew. It's hot in here. I think that's what it is. I think it's really hot in here, and that has me feeling all claustrophobic and weird. Must be a little bit of my autism coming out. It's alright. It's alright. That was a joke, by the way. Anybody who's like, really? I don't know. Maybe. I think everybody is a little bit. Regardless. Got an interesting article today, a little bit of news. Probably gonna be a short show. Uh, no main topic necessarily. There's a couple of topics that are a little larger that I wanna talk about. So, rather than adding them in with the news, I'm gonna be covering those two things when we would normally be talking about uh, something else entirely. Because two things have happened recently that I think are important. One of them, I'm going to talk more about the yellow vests. And another one, uh, well... Usually I like to talk about stuff that nobody else is, but Article 13, uh, things have happened. And <laughs> I'm going to read about that as well. First, let's handle this. Interesting article. From Quillet. This is, this is an, uh, an article about Camus. And I really liked it from Craig Delancey, published on the 26th of March. Albert Camus, unfashionable anti-totalitarian. From the story. Today, it is not unusual to see Albert Camus celebrated as the debonair existentialist, the handsome hero of the French resistance, a great novelist, and a fine philosopher. But this reputation was only recently acquired for much of his life, and in the years since his untimely death in 1960, age just 46, Camus was deeply unfashionable among France's leading intellectuals. In many quarters, he remains so. Camus came to widespread attention in 1942 with his publication of the novella The Stranger and a philosophical essay entitled The Myth of Sisyphus. The Stranger portrays a solitary, passionless man wandering through the world without pattern or purpose. The myth of, the myth of Sisyphus grapples with the question, why not commit suicide? Camus argued that we should not, but he finds little evidence of a justified purpose for human beings. If we cannot prove that some choices are better than others, he concludes, we can at least dedicate ourselves to the pursuit of experience. The austerity and boldness of these two works struck Camus' contemporaries as remarkable, and within a short time he became known as, quote, the philosopher of the absurd, and befriended France's leading intellectual Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre, by the way, a hero of mine, personally. I like Camus, too. 
Camus though has the same thing that Sartre has. This look at this kind of this kind of cigarette smoky Frenchy sort of air about him that that you kind of have to strip away a little bit to get to the core of the ideas. Um, but they're interesting ideas nonetheless. I thought this article about Camus and the way that he's been thought about through history was fascinating, and I recommend you read it. It's on Quillet. Albert Camus, unfashionable anti-totalitarian. Moving on. Interesting news from Fire. This was published on the 25th. They released a statement on the Fifth Circuit's decision in Buchanan v. Alexander. Let's read it. Fire is disappointed by Friday's ruling from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit denying relief to former Professor Teresa Buchanan in her lawsuit against administrators at Louisiana State University. Buchanan, a former LSU education professor, was fired in June 2015 for supposedly violating the universal sexu- the university's se- universal well the university's sexual harassment policy. She filed suit in January 2016. The veteran educator was dismissed over the contrary recommendation of a faculty panel based on her alleged occasional use of profanity and references to sex in preparing her adult students to be effective teachers. Her lawsuit alleged that her termination violated her free speech and due process rights. Last week, a Fifth Circuit panel upheld the district court's dismissal of Buchanan's First Amendment claims, challenging LSU's sexual harassment policy both on its face and as applied to her. First, the panel held that Buchanan's speech was not protected because it did not serve an academic purpose, ignoring uh, ignoring record evidence of the pedagogical reasons for her classroom speech. Second, the panel never never reached the merits of Buchanan's uh, facial challenge to LSU's overbroad sexual harassment policy, although it did vacate the district court decision upholding the policy. Instead, it dismissed the claim on the grounds that she sued administrators rather than the LSU Board of Supervisors, somehow reasoning that the officials responsible for her firing had, quote, no ultimate authority to enforce the policy. Fire believes the Fifth Circuit panel got it wrong on both counts. If academic freedom is to mean anything, it must protect a a teacher's pedagogical choices in the classroom, and the panel should have reached the merits of Buchanan's challenge to the unconstitutionality uh, unconstitutionally vague and overbroad policy employed to justify her firing. Buchanan is considering her options for responding to the decision. This is a this is a a weird place to be, man. If you're gonna be if you're going to include uh, anything related to sex in your in your curriculum for your class, um, it I mean honestly, really, it's important that people do. And I can see, uh, uh, I can see a lot of reasons why someone teaching a professor of education would want to do that. I can absolutely see reasons for that. But I don't know, man. It's it's just here's the thing: if a sexual harassment policy was enough to get somebody fired over their curricular choices, that probably is an overbroad policy, because those two things do not go together. Those two things are not the same thing, and. Yeah, I, I think that's evidence of the overbroadness of the policy. If you're allowed to fire somebody for their curricular choices based on a sexual harassment policy, that seems, yeah, overbroad. By, by definition, almost. Moving on. Uh, we reported, I reported, uh, we, we reported, this isn't an organization, this is my show. I reported uh, last episode on the executive branch on on the Trump White House coming out and and I think there was something it was an executive order to uphold free expression on campus that was the sort of the, the gist of everything well uh people have responded to that executive order now from fire published on the 26th by Robert Shibley higher ed groups response to executive order deny minimize campus speech problems 
Among the many responses to President Trump's executive order on campus free speech last week, some of the lamest came from the major groups representing colleges and universities. Flipping open their, quote, intro to corporate PR crises uh, textbooks to page one, they did what many large and powerful institutions do when faced with an embarrassing, obvious, and public problem. Deny there's a problem at all. Few people with any knowledge or experience of higher ed actually believe there's no free speech problem on campus. Fire's 20-year history defending students and faculty across the political and ideological spectrum is a testament to the existence of the problem. So is the more, uh, so is the more than a decade Fire has spent reading and rating the speech-related policies of more than 400 of our nation's largest and most prestigious schools. 90% continue to feature speech codes that are either unconstitutional on public campuses or violate their own promise of free speech on private campuses, with nearly 30% of them doing so egregiously. These are among the reasons FIRE gets approximately 1,000 case submissions per year from students and faculty asking for our help defending their rights. According to Gallup, 61% of college students think the campus climate discourages people from speaking freely, and even critics of the, president, of the president's order, like the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, acknowledge that campus speech issues are a serious problem, saying, Students routinely demand that administrators shut down speech they regard as bigoted or so, or so offensive that it shouldn't be heard. Their silencing strategies have included vandalism and physical intimidation. They have targeted in invited speakers and resident professors. The promises from spokespeople from the higher ed lobby, however, are either disingenuous or, I'm sorry, the responses from spokespeople from the higher ed lobby, however, either disingenuous or a great reminder of how hard it is to see the ground from the top of the ivory tower. For example, Ted Mitchell, the president of the American Council on Education, generally known as ACE, perhaps the most powerful of all the higher ed lobbying groups, stated his group's position on the matter thusly, quote, We continue to believe that this executive order is unnecessary and unwelcome, a solution in search of a problem. Mary Sue Coleman, president of the Association of American Universities, likewise wrote that, quote, This executive order is a solution in search of a problem. Parenthetical in the story, I told you they were all using the same textbook. She went on to say that, quote, our institutions are fully committed to the protection and preservation of this proud heritage of debate and discussion. Yet among 62 members of the prestigious AAUR, Brandeis, Iowa State, UC Davis, UC Berkeley, Oregon, and Yale, all of which it's pretty safe to say have displayed a, quote, less than full commitment to debate and discussion in recent years. The president of the Association of Public and and land-grant universities, Peter McPherson, wrote in his statement that, quote, an executive order of this kind was, quote, plainly unnecessary, insisting that, quote, public universities are already bound by the First Amendment and work each day to defend and honor it. He does at least go on to acknowledge that they are not perfect at policing campus expression. Indeed, Fire's Worst Schools for Free Speech lists in 2018 and 2019 featured several land-grant institutions, including Alabama A&M University, the University of Wisconsin System, whose flagship campus in Madison is a land-grant institution, and once again, UC Berkeley and Iowa State. Those are just some of the offenders. The higher ed lobbying organizations are, of course, free to criticize the executive order and to predict uh, any number of dire consequences that might stem from it. But prefacing those predictions with sometimes identical forms of, quote, move along, there's nothing to see here, is so transparently erroneous that it can't help but undermine their credibility when they talk about the potential downsides. Fire's own position on President Trump's executive order is that while asking schools to follow the law or their own promises should not be controversial, it is too soon to tell whether these steps will have a positive or negative effect. Much depends on how agencies put the order into practice. We will watch, wait, and continue helping campus communities defend their expressive rights. 
Because regardless of what the higher ed establishment tells you, students and faculty do not enjoy robust, excessive freedoms at every school required to provide them. Um, yeah, what, 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 what did anybody think was going to happen? President Trump, the, 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 the president of the United States, whom you hate, if you are a college, most likely, whom you hate is telling you, you're not doing a good job with this. I'm going to make an executive order that's going to make you do a good job with this. You already don't like the guy, and he's telling you you suck. Yeah, what, 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 did, what did anybody think the response was going to be? Of course these universities are saying, no, 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 we're fine. We don't need you. You know, regardless, you know, the, the, without regard to the fact that, you know, you're not fine. <laughs> Free speech is not guaranteed on campuses now. And the students on those campuses experience it every fucking day. I know I did. It's pretty hilarious to me, but it's also to be expected. From The Reason, Hit and Run blog, published on the 26th. Battering ram-wielding Chicago cops crash four-year-old's birthday party, point guns at terrified kids. When an aunt asked to see a search warrant, she says she was handcuffed. This is by Joe Satan. Satan. Uh, Setian. Oh, man. I mixed up that Y and that T. Oh, I really wish that they were in the order I thought they were, though. It's Setian, but I really wish it were Satan. <laughs> With a battering ram and sledgehammer in tow, Chicago police carried out a raid on a Southside home last month. There was just one problem. Okay, maybe more than one. The suspect they were looking for hadn't lived at that address in five years, claimed the current occupants, who were celebrating a four-year-old's birthday. This all went down February 10th during young T.J. Boswell's birthday party. His seven-year-old sister, Samari, told WBBM, there was little to no warning before police officers entered the home and pointed their guns at party attendees. <laughs> Good old Joe the Devil Satan, says Silverwing. I, yeah, I, I wish, man. I really wish. That, that's a cooler name. <laughs> uh, pointing their guns at party attendees, quote, they were saying F-words and stuff. It was horrible, she said. Oh! <laughs> they were saying F-words and stuff. It was horrible. Oh. I feel so bad for this kid. Damn it. Ah, fuck cops. Quote, all I heard was steps like shoes coming down the stairs hard, added their aunt. Uh, oh, fuck. I'm, I'm not even going to try this name. Something that starts with a K, Jackson. Uh, quote, get your fucking hands up, Jackson recalled police saying. Jackson told WBBM she unsuccessfully asked for a search warrant multiple times and was rewarded by being placed in handcuffs. She eventually saw the warrant, but not before police had trashed the home. A TV was broken as a result of the raid, and TJ's cake ended up on the floor. The family said, oh, this is fucking terrible! Man, some kid's birthday. Some kid's fucking birthday. God damn it. The fucking cake ended up on the floor. Police were searching for a suspect in possession of ecstasy, though TJ and Samari's mother, Stephanie Burris, told WBBM that person hadn't lived there in years. Quote, my law firm took 30 seconds to do a person search and came up with the suspect's most current address, which is on 83rd Street, nowhere near the property, the family's lawyer, Al Hofield Jr., told the outlet. Quote, I thought they was going to shoot me and my brother and everybody else, added Samari. The family plans to file a federal civil rights lawsuit, as they should. Reason reached out to Chicago police for comment, who responded with the following statement. This should be nice. Quote, while we do not comment on pending or proposed litigation for all criminal investigations, CPD makes every effort to ensure the validity and accuracy of all information that is used to apply for and execute search warrants. Except the address, apparently. 
Oftentimes, this information comes from community sources, and despite the vetting of material through a criminal court and the methodolog and the meth method met method whoa, 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 methodical process to authenticate addresses, errors can occur, and we take them very seriously. The CPD in the city of Chicago has claims has a claims process for any property owner to reimburse for repairs as a result of an accidentally accidental search warrant. This incident highlights a major policing issue, particularly in Chicago but also around the country. If you type the phrase Chicago police raid wrong home into Google, you'll find numerous accounts of police barging into homes and terrorizing the families inside without finding the suspect they were looking for. It's not even the first time they've been accused of crashing a child's birthday party. Last month, month, WFLD reported on Chicago police raiding a South Deering home during a party. Police believed that a child was in danger, but they refused to immediately show a search warrant. These sorts of raids can have consequences. In September, Maryland police in search of a drug dealer raided the wrong home leading the resident, who they thought were home invaders, to shoot and wound two officers, according to the Washington Post. In November, a North Carolina SWAT team pointed their guns at a six-year-old boy with autism and forced him to sit outside in the cold while they searched the home for a robbery suspect who was not there. The child was terrorized, his mother later said. It's hard to see how this sort of thing does any good. Police need to stop treating law-abiding citizens, especially children, like dangerous criminals. Silverwing jokes on them. The STC was in the cake. <laughs> That's a fun birthday. This makes me really mad. Like, this was a kid's birthday party. Fuck. This really upsets me. Like, this might upset me. No, it doesn't upset me more than the Houston story because, you know, the people in the house weren't killed. But it upsets me at, at, at least as much as the Houston story. Kid's birthday party. Ruined. Because cops can't fucking... Oh, shit. I want to go back to this thing because they talked about, like, all of the shit that they do to make sure they got the right address. I'm going to go back to this quote from earlier in the story. Quote, my law firm took 30 seconds to do a person search and came up with the suspect's most current address, which is on 83rd Street, nowhere near the property. The family's lawyer, Al Hofield Jr., told the outlet. It took a lawyer 30 seconds to find the right address. God damn it. Fucking cops. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, man, that's, that is so aggravating. That is the most aggravating thing in the world. In any case, we got something else to do. We have something else to do. It's very important. Brothers will do fine. It's time for who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Man. Who do you trust? It's only been about 20 minutes. Wow. I'll tell you who I trust. I trust Mr. Max Ogburn and the lovely... Excuse me. I trust both of these people very much. That's how, that's who I trust. Trust them, trust them with my life. In fact, I, I think I signed my first, my firstborn over to Max Ogburn. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna come to possession of my firstborn child. Uh, though I can't quite remember if that was him or, uh, Mr. Setian. <laughs> um, Max, you've been with us forever. Thank you so much, sir. Your assistance is, uh, is, Wonderful and beautiful. And Xerxes, new on the train. Thank you so much, sir. Both of you, gorgeous, lovely, wonderful people. And I thank you so much. If you'd like to join them, you can do so at roguefile.com slash donate or uh, subscribestar.com slash dinofiles. Thank you both so very much. You're, oh, oh, I can't thank you enough, really. So I will stop thanking you and just say, those. that's who I trust. Go join them. Go join them, please, you lovely individuals. Uh,
So Article 13 passed. Article 13, if you don't know what it is. Article 13 is a copyright directive in the EU. I'll read the story from Torrent Freak. EU Parliament adopts copyright directive including Article 13 by Ernesto on March 26, 2019. Had a big sneeze there. The European Parliament has adopted a new copyright directive. This includes the widely contested Article 13 which was renumbered to Article 17 in the final text. Pirate Party MEP Julia Retta sees it as a dark day for internet freedom, but many copyright holders are happy with the result. Another big sneeze. In 2016, the European Commission first announced its plan to modernize EU copyright law. Initially, the plans received little mainstream attention, but over the past year, that changed drastically. Article 13 and Article 11 of the Copyright Directive, which were renamed Article 17 and Article 15 in the final text, were highly contested. Opponents repeatedly warned that the former would lead to upload filters and censorship and the latter was framed as a link tax. At the same time, many rights holder groups, publishers, and other members of the creative industry embraced the proposals. They saw it as a much-needed lifeline to ensure fair remuneration on the internet. Today, the European Parliament voted on the final text of the proposed directive. First up was a proposal to reject the entire copyright directive. This was rejected with 443 votes against 181 in favor. A subsequent vote to allow amendments in the text of the directive uh, was also directed, uh, I'm sorry, was also rejected, although that was very close with 317 in favor and 312 against. Parliament then moved on to a vote on the entire text of the copyright directive without any changes, including the renumbered Article 13 and 11, with 348 members of Parliament in favor, 274 against, wow, that is a close, that's close, and 36 abstentions, the copyright directive was adopted. The decision comes as a major disappointment to Pirate Party Mep, uh, Julia Retta, who has been one of the most vocal opponents of the copyright directive. Earlier today, she urged her colleagues to reject the plans and moments ago described the outcome as a, of the vote as a, quote, dark day for internet freedom. Retta, who's the vice president of the Green slash EFA group, says they will continue to fight against this new European law. Quote, the new copyright law as it stands threatens a free internet as we know it. Algorithms cannot distinguish between actual copyright infringements and the perfectly legal reuse of content for purposes such as parody. Reddit notes. Yeah, this is a problem that YouTube has right now. If these fuckers knew anything, they would know that, but they ultimately do not care. Quote, obliging platforms to use upload filters will lead to more frequent blocking of legal uploads and make life difficult for smaller platforms that cannot afford expensive uh, filter software, she adds. Article 13, now 17, requires many for-profit internet platforms to license content from copyright holders. If that is not possible, they should ensure that infringing content is taken down and not re-uploaded to their services. Many rights holder groups are pleased with the outcome. Francis Moore, CEO of the music group uh, IFPI, was quick to thank lawmakers for their efforts and is looking forward to seeing their changes implemented. Quote, this world-first legislation co confirms that user-upload content platforms perform an act of communication to the public and must either seek authorization from rights holders or ensure no unauthorized content is available on their platforms. Quote, the directive also includes a stay down provision requiring platforms to keep unlicensed content down. Another global first, more ads. With support from the European Parliament, the copyright directive will now be sent to the Council, which has to formally adopt the law. This is likely to, to take place in two weeks on April 9th. There still is a chance that a member state such as Germany withdraws its support in the council, which would mean that further negotiations are required. 
This could introduce delays beyond the European elections on May 23rd, 2019. If the copyright directive is adopted by the Council, EU member states will have to implement the text in local legislation. This won't happen right away and could take up to two more years. Oh, goodness. We also have this story on the topic from Reason. And then I'll get into what this actually means. From Reason. Hide those memes, folks! Europe passes massive online copyright changes that will lead to censorship. You have a license to link to that story? Will your sexy Tinder photo get confused with the celebrities? From Scott Shackelford, published on the 26th. Members of the European Union's parliament ignored dire warnings that they're heading down a path toward massive online censorship and have passed legislation that will hold online platforms financially liable for copyright violations by users and require search engines and social media platforms to get licenses from media companies to share even snippets of their content. Today, EU leaders passed a copyright uh, in the Digital Single Market Directive uh, 348.2274. The ambiguous title conceals sweeping regulations pushed by European media and entertainment outlets intended to increase their authority to police their copyright content online. But the sheer breadth of the regulations have tech platforms and online speech activists deeply worried. More than 100,000 protesters gathered in Germany over the weekend to try and keep two parts of the directive from passing. Article 11 will require any online information sharing platform to get a license from a media outlet before sharing any of its content. How much sharing has to take place before the license demanded is triggered is unclear, upending concepts of fair use and potentially making it all but impossible to share news stories unless the platform has gotten a license and potentially paid a fee to the media outlet or content producer. So, for example, if Facebook wants to continue showing an excerpt of a Reason story whenever somebody posts a link to us on their wall, Facebook would have to seek out a license from Reason to allow the social media site to show more than a link and maybe a headline, and even that's not so sure. There's no opt-out process. Reason cannot declare that anybody can share whatever they want of our stuff. Everybody from Google representatives to academic experts have warned that this will hurt small and new publishers the most because online platforms are not likely to go through the effort to seek out and certainly aren't going to be willing to pay for the privilege of sharing a sentence or two in a picture. And that means established and larger media outlets may be the beneficiaries of this rule, assuming there are any beneficiaries at all. Google has warned that search results that comply with Article 11 will likely result in fewer visitors to these media sites, not more money in licensing fees for the publishers. But Article 13 has the potential for some seriously disastrous censorship outcomes online. Article 13 essentially says that online platforms must take uh, action to prevent users from uploading copyrighted content and take responsibility for any such content that is uploaded. Period. This basically guts the idea of safe harbor that exists in the DMCA. Of course, this is in Europe, so not entirely sure how safe harbor works there, but I believe it's been similar up to now. Any platform that's been around for more than three years or earns more than one, uh, I'm sorry, than $11 million a year can be held financially responsible for any copyrighted content that makes it onto its site. This incredibly broad, incredibly vague demand will likely lead to the big sites using various upload filters and automated identification systems that, to be blunt, have historically done a terrible job at identifying copyrighted content. And those are the big tech companies like YouTube. This will be an extremely expensive, possibly impossible request for many smaller online platforms. It will lead to massive amounts of censorship due to potential fears of lawsuits. And most certainly, uh, and most certainly there are going to be many, many people on the lookout for opportunities to sue over this. Government officials will be likely looking for opportunities as well. Andrea O'Sullivan noted this morning how the European Union has been using fines against big tech companies as a source of funding. The vagueness of this legislation is likely deliberate. Danny O'Brien at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, love the EFF, looks at the 
looks at the likely outcomes as these regulations go into effect. Quote, we can expect media and rights holders to lobby for the most draconian possible national laws, then promptly march to the courts to extract fines whenever anyone online wanders over its fuzzy lines. The directive is written so that any owner of copyrighted material can demand satisfaction from an internet service, and we've already seen that the rights holders are by no means united on what big tech should be doing. Whatever internet companies and organizations do to comply with the 27 uh, or more national laws, from dropping links to European news sites entirely, to upping their already oversensitive filtering systems, or seeking to strike deals with key media conglomerates, will be challenged by one rights holder faction or another. A spokesperson for Google responded that the company has seen improvements in the legislation as the drafting has moved forward, but warned, quote, it will still lead to legal uncertainty and will hurt Europe's creative and digital economies. The details matter, and we look forward to working with policymakers, publishers, creators, and rights holders as EU member states move to implement these new rules. It may end up eventually being that you'll find your post being censored by Facebook, and not because you've said something offensive that violates the social media platform's terms, but because Facebook doesn't want to be sued by somebody in Belgium. That these regulations have passed is again a reminder of how stupid it is for presidential candidate Senator Elizabeth Warren to go after Facebook for de declining an ad featuring its trademarked logo. Even the knee-jerk response by some government officials in America suggesting they want to try and force social media platforms to carry their messages, we may well end up in a situation in which Facebook is legally required to post a message or image in one country, but legally forbidden to do so in another. It would face huge legal consequences if it cannot do both. There you go, man. Copyright. Copyright's a fucking problem. I hate this whole thing. The idea of fair use is already being broken in the United States entirely uh, by the likes of YouTube, other organizations like Google. The, the idea that a person has to be able to go to court to prove that something is fair use is, I think, ass backwards on its face. The idea that you have to be able to hire a lawyer and go to court in order to, in order to prove that something you've done is fair use is insane. And these kinds of laws passing in Europe, now European fair use is somewhat similar to fair use in the United States. It's not, it's not the same. Copyright tends to be a bit stronger in Europe. Not quite as strong as Japan, but a bit stronger than the United States. But still, fair use does exist there. This is, this is gutting all of that. Because the problem is not, look, the problem is not necessarily providing content holders protections. That's not really the problem. The problem is the method by which these companies are forced to comply because they suck at it. And it's really the only way that it can be done. Using things like content ID is really the only way that you can ensure that copyrighted material doesn't just get spread all over your platform. Like it used to be. You remember YouTube several years ago? Now everything's got to be fuzzy or behind a filter or in a frame and flipped. Like it's get, people do all these kinds of things to try and trick content ID so it doesn't ding them. But the problem is they have to do that kind of shit even if what they're doing is fair use. If they're making a documentary on an individual and uploading it to YouTube, they've got to put weird fuzzy filters on, 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 uh, on footage of the person. Because somebody somewhere owns it and it's going to get copy struck. Add to that the fact that this copy striking system on YouTube is used all the time to deplatform people who a mob disagrees with. Enough people disagree with somebody and boom, they're off YouTube. You can stack four copy strikes on somebody overnight. And if they've already had two, they're gone. You only get six. This is what happened to Monkey. So it's not, I mean... Ugh. 
This whole system is broken as shit. And the fact that it's all designed to bend over for the copy for the copyright holder is part of why it's broken. Look, I don't like the DMCA. I really don't like the DMCA, but I think Safe Harbor is way better than this, what we're seeing in the EU right now. All Safe Harbor says is they have to be able to, they're not liable for copy protected material, but they have to sort of comply with upholding the copyright, which is why Content ID exists in the first place. It's not good, but it's way fucking better than this. This is insane. <sighs> I don't know. This, this thing, there's one more step. There's one more step. This, this, there's one more step before everybody has to comply with this piece of shit law. One more step. And honestly, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm wondering after all this has happened, I'm wondering what the yellow vests are going to look like next week. Because the yellow vests, I mean, okay, okay, you can't ascribe a platform to the yellow vests. But there's a good chunk of the yellow vests who are very uh, pro-Frexit, if you will. Very much, uh, they're not a nationalist front, really. They just don't want to be run by the EU. They don't want to be run by Belgium. They don't want to be, uh, not Belgium, by, uh, by the council. The, uh, the, fuck, I forget what they call it. So there's a, there's, a, there's a chance that our yellow vests next week are going to be a little more angry. Which I think they need. Everything, uh, everything was a little bit uh, soft last week. I'm not saying not being violent is... is, is uh, is a bad thing, but felt a little soft, felt a little weak. I'll read a story from France 24 regarding the yellow vest last week. Sporadic clashes, this was published on the 23rd, I'm sorry. Sporadic clashes as yellow vest march uh, to, oh man, okay, I'm going to say right up top, forgive me for my really bad French shit, French words, French pronunciation as I say this shit, because this is going to be terrible. Sporadic clashes as Yellow Vest marched to Montmartre for Act 19 of protests. Yellow Vest protesters clashed sporadically with French police firing tear gas on, sun on Saturday during a mostly peaceful march through Paris to the Sacre Cleur Basilica in Montmartre. Scattered Yellow Vest protesters clashed with French police firing tear gas Saturday. Uh, that's already what I read. Um, peaceful march through Paris, but tougher security measures and protest bans in high-risk neighborhoods prevented the kind of rioting that devastated the capital a week ago. Protesters, quote, protesters were clever in that they ensured it was a more peace, it was more peaceful this week after what the government said in terms of police and army deployment. If you remember, we read a story last week about the army having been deployed and told that they are free to fire on violent protesters. Quote, furthermore, the anarchists who were at the heart of the violence last week stayed away. That's the black bloc. Black Bloc was there uh, last week, um, or I should say the week before last, and they, they were the ones that, you know, burned down some shops and restaurants and things like that. The yellow vest saw a drop in overall support after restaurants, shops, and banks were all attacked and set alight last weekend by some extreme elements within the movement. Thousands of demonstrators marched peacefully through Paris, their 19th straight weekend of protests. They only do this on Saturday, which is something that I love. Ending up at the Sacre Coeur Cathedral overlooking the city from the historic neighborhood. Protesters set off yellow flares and unfurled a neon banner from atop the cathedral's white dome. In a relaxed mood, demonstrators and tourists alike took selfies as the march wound down. Later, however, tensions erupted as small clusters of mass protesters set garbage cans on fire and threw projectiles as they moved toward Republic Plaza in eastern Paris. Helmeted riot police fired volleys of tear gas in response. The yellow vest protesters want more help for struggling French workers and retirees and say President Emmanuel Macron favors the elite 
A police officer in the plaza suffered a heart problem, slumping to the ground before being hospitalized in what Paris police described as a very as very serious condition. Associated Press journalists at the scene saw no violence or incidents nearby when he collapsed. At least 2,000 people have been injured in protest violence since the LFS movement began in November, and 11 people have been killed in protest-related road accidents. Elsewhere in France, on Saturday, small groups of demonstrators and police clashed in southern French cities of Nice and Montpellier. Nice was placed under high security measures as Chinese President Xi Jinping is expected to stay overnight on Sunday as part of his visit, uh, as part of a state visit to France. Overall, though, Saturday's protests were calmer than a week ago when resurgent violence reminded France's government that they'd failed to quell Yellow Vest anger. Luxury shops were looted and ransacked around the Champs-Élysées Avenue in Paris, and some were set on fire by protesters. This week, Interior Minister uh, Christophe Castaner estimated that, oh wow, 40,500 people took part in protests around France, up from 32,300 a week ago. This week's protests were more spread out, with just 5,000 estimated in Paris compared to that went up, by the way, compared to 10,000 last Saturday. Some 233 people were arrested, including people trying to come to Paris to protest with baseball bats, slingshots, and other potential weapons. French authorities banned protests from Champs-Élysées Avenue in Paris and the central neighborhoods of several other cities, including Bordeaux, Toulouse, Marseille, and Nice in the south, ruined in western France. The Champs-Élysées was almost empty on Saturday, except for a huge police presence. Fear of more violence kept tourists away, and police shut down the subway stations surrounding the famed avenue as precaution. The new Paris police chief, uh, Didier Lalalala, who took charge uh, this week following the destruction wrought, last by la- wrought by last week's protests, said specific police units were created to react faster to any violence. About 6,000 police officers were deployed in the capital Saturday, and two drones helped monitor the demonstrations. French authorities also deployed soldiers to protect sensitive sites, allowing police to focus on maintaining order. That decision prompted criticism from opposition leaders and some protesters. Quote, since when do soldiers face a population? We're here in France. You would say we are here in North Korea or China. I never saw something like this, said Christelle Camus, a protester from the southern suburb of Paris. Polls suggest last week's violence dampened public support for the Yellow Vest, but that a majority of French people still agree with the protesters' anger over the French tax system and Macron's leadership. Saturday's marchers held signs demanding more safer citizens and public policy. Quote, we came to protest in a calm manner. We have the right to express ourselves, to say... That we want to live decently, said Celine Dutry, who came to Paris to protest from the northern city of Amin, Macron's hometown. We are not jealous of the rich. The protests started in November to oppose fuel tax hikes, but have expanded to a broader rejection of Macron's economic policies, which protesters say favor businesses and the wealthy over ordinary French workers. Yeah, this is a uh, man. What a mess this is. Still out there, still doing it. This was, um, I, I will say, I did see, I was, I was looking at, uh, as they started to coalesce, uh, they marched, they, 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 they sort of coalesced in two areas and then marched, uh, marched toward the cathedral out at the same time from those two areas. And I was watching multicam streams and I was watching the, I was watching two hashtags with the translate this tweet button burning up. Uh, I was watching Gilets Jaunes and Stop Gilets Jaunes. And I saw a lot of activity in Stop Gilets Jaunes. I really did. I saw a lot of activity in that hashtag. Um, most people who tweeted something were getting smacked down by other people, but I saw more activity in that hashtag than I would have expected. So the, the, the public opinion thing, you can, you can see it happening on Twitter. Uh, it shifted a bit. Um, 
it's still obviously it's still not totally flipped, but it shifted a bit. From DeVoe.com. Actually, you know what? This is an older story. I'm not going to read this one. What I will read is this, and I saw this happen live. This was this was the the I think the only major injury. There were several arrests, but I think this was the only major injury that happened. This was published on the 24th for BBC News. Yellow vest protest injured protesters' family to press charges. The family of a 73-year-old French woman injured in a police charge at, at a protest are taking legal action. Uh, Genevieve Legay fell and hit her head on a metal post during the banned yellow vest demonstration in Nice. The incident, captured on video by demonstrators and journalists, is being investigated. I saw this video as soon as it came out. It, uh, it's pretty clear what happened. Ms. Legay, who sustained skull fractures and bleeding next to the brain, is reported to be in stable condition, condition and intensive care. Ms. Legay, a spokeswoman for the local arm of anti-globalization NGO, had come to defend the right to demonstrate, her daughter said. Protests had been banned in a large part of the southern city center. The activist family planned to file a complaint for willful violence by armed persons holding a public authority on a vulnerable person, their lawyer said. The niece public prosecutor has opened an investigation to determine the origin of her injuries. Yeah, I saw them on video. It's from your fucking police charge. Soldiers were deployed for the first time during Saturday's protest to back up police and help maintain security. Protesters have been banned in the centers of many large cities. But there has been widespread criticism of anti-terrorist forces being used to control crowds, with politicians from across the political spectrum voicing concerns. Some 40,000 protested on Saturday across France, an increase from 3,200 protesters last weekend, 32,000 protesters last weekend, the interior minister said. After last week's riots, which resulted in more than 120 arrests, French President Emmanuel Macron said, uh, Emmanuel Macron said he vowed tough action. He had a response... For the woman who got uh, who got knocked down, what happened in the video was she was near the front of the line, and uh, the cops wanted them out of where they were, and the police, right, police charged, and she was knocked down. Pretty obvious what happened, and then she's laying there in a pool of her own fucking blood afterward. This story from the local, published on the 25th, Macron under fire for criticizing elderly woman injured at Yellow Vest protest. Francis Emmanuel Crow has been accused of lacking empathy after criticizing an elderly yellow vest protester who was badly injured during a demonstration in Nice at the, at the weekend. Should be on the weekend. Uh, Genevieve Legay, a 73-year-old anti-globalization activist, suffered a fractured skull on Saturday after riot police charged anti-government demonstrators at the Rivera city of Nice. Macron, who traveled to the area on Sunday to meet visiting Chinese President Xi Jinping, told the Nice Matin newspaper that he wished Legay a speedy recovery, but also a form of wisdom... Quote, when one is fragile and risks being shoved, one does not go to places that are declared off limits and one does not pull oneself in a situ- put oneself in a situation like that, he told the Daily. The remarks were immediately criticized by the gay's family, which has accused police of using disproportionate force to clear protesters. Quote, you don't criticize someone who's in a hospital bed, said the family's lawyer, Ari Elmi, uh, calling Macron's remarks crass and insensitive. This is fucking hilarious, man. She was, she was the 73, she was in every video. I was, I was watching the multicams and anytime Nice came up and it didn't matter what angle it was, she was like, she was there in the middle of the crowd. She had this, um, she had this rainbow flag. I think it said peace on it. And then it's her lying on the fucking ground and it's all over Twitter. And finally a video comes up of what happened. There was a police charge. She got knocked over. It was, it was horrifying. It was really bad. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I, I, I get, I don't know. I don't know. Fuck the cops, man. Fuck the cops. 
in every country, in every town, in every city across across the world, fuck the cops. Fucking charging in on kids' birthday parties, knocking over 73-year-old women, telling them they're not allowed to demonstrate somewhere. No. Fuck you. And it pisses me off that nobody's talking about this. The yellow vests are still going on. 19 weeks in a row they're out there every Saturday. And nobody's fucking talking about it anymore. Oh, man, that makes me angry. Fuck television news. It makes me really angry. Every fucking weekend they're out there. And there's people in the Stop Yellow Vest hashtag saying, these people don't have jobs, these people don't have whatever. And then the responses are hilarious because it's other people coming in saying, yeah, that's why they only protest on Saturday, because they don't have jobs? Is that what you're saying? I love it so much, but man, it pisses me off these people aren't getting any coverage. I think this is one of the last, I really do. I was talking to my dad about this the other day. I think the Yellow Vests are one of the last chances for government to fear its people. In the Western world. I think I think this is a watershed thing. I think if, if the yellow vests, vests uh, if they just peter out and nobody gets deposed, nobody gets replaced, nothing happens, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think at that point, governments are, are, are never going to be afraid of their people again. The yellow vests are all we really have at this point. I really do think they're the watershed moment. It, it's depending on how, the, how it goes with these people. That's why I say Godspeed to him. And you know what? At this point, I can't even find it in me to... They, they sent in the fucking military. At this point, I can't even find it in me to be against the rioters. Yeah, you want to go burn something? Go burn fucking burn something. I prefer they didn't burn private property. That's my only problem. If they were burning government buildings, no problem at all. You own those. Those are yours. When you burn a private restaurant, things like that, that's a different situation. That, that I don't like. Burning restaurants, burning... Burning cars, shit like that. I'm not, I'm not down for that. That's somebody's shit. But, you, you know, I, I mean, I love the, it's still one of my favorite videos of all time is that farmer who has the manure sprayer and he's just coating a fucking government building in manure. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love it. Because that shit's yours. I mean, that's yours. That is funded and maintained based on your money. I like that. That, that to me, I'm, I'm cool with that shit. But burning down, the, burning down people's things, I don't know, I'm not for it. But I, I do wish him Godspeed, every single one of them. Go out there and you keep... It was up. It was up this time. So, people are still angry. Keep that same energy. Stay mad. Stay mad and keep going out there. Because fucking Lord knows they're not going to do it over here. At this point, the last hope for governments to be afraid of their people is happening in France right now. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking. But I am. And I'm going to keep talking about it. And I'm going to keep looking out for them. And I'm going to keep cheering them on because these people... We need them. We need them. And I support them wholeheartedly. So thank you so much, you glorious French bastards. Maybe one of these days you'll save the Western fucking world. <laughs> Maybe you'll do it. Japers. Just cover it. Just cover it. Fox, MSNBC, CNN, just cover it. Fucking cover it. Cover it already. I'm sick, sick, sick and tired of not seeing about this. Not being able to read about this. Having to dig. I have to dig for these stories. These stories are not like only every now and then does a yellow vest story hit hit like the New York Times website and, and it, like it's featured or whatever. I have to dig for this shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. You got people you've got people making government afraid of their people again. Perhaps again, I, I think this is a watershed. Perhaps for the last time it can happen. You got them out there doing it and you don't want to talk about it. Ah, well, fuck you. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's why I love all these wonderful supporter supporters. People who hang out in chat, people who download and listen. I love you guys. I love you guys. 
I got to do it again. Fuck television news. <laughs> I want to thank everybody who hung out in the chat and kept me on my toes during this recording. You can do that every week. A-I-R-A-D dot I-O slash live. I want to thank everybody who listens to the show, everybody who downloads the show, everybody who rates us and gives us a review on whatever platform you listen on. I want to thank the producers, all you glorious and magnanimous people who support this show you can do that on AIRAD.io or on the Rogue File, roguefile.com slash donate. Uh, you can find the things that I write on the Rogue File, roguefile.com. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Dean O Files. You can find the network on Twitter at AltNet Radio. Go ahead and give us a follow there. I love every single one of you glorious freaks, and I will be back with you next week. Y'all have a great week. This has been an alternative internet radio production. For more great shows like this, visit AIR at AIRAD.io. That's AIRAD.io.